Pharma R&D Annual Review 2022. Ian Lloyd, Senior Director, Pharma Projects. Chapter 1. Introduction. Welcome to Pharma Projects 2022 Review of Trends in Pharmaceutical R&D. For 30 years now, I've been taking an annual look at the evolution of pharma R&D. And in this article, I'll examine the state of play at the start of 2022. We'll assess industry trends by examining the pipeline by company, therapeutic area, disease, target and drug type using data from Pharma Intelligence's Pharma Projects, part of the Sightline suite of products, which has been tracking global drug development since 1980. This report will be followed up by our annual supplement reviewing the new active substance launches for the year just past. But here, we'll be packing our suitcases and heading to the airport to embark on a journey which circumnavigates the pharma world, travelling through both familiar territories and off the beaten track to discover the direction of travel of the industry as it resets its compass following a turbulent couple of years, which have been quite a journey, to say the least. Readers of this report, which has been running since 1993, so is presented here in its 30th edition, will know that in recent years, I've threaded a different theme through each edition, to highlight points, to draw analogies, and to add a little local colour into what could otherwise be a rather lengthy voyage through the dreary suburbs of statistics, charts and tables. Themes selected so far have included astronomy, movies, the natural world, music, food and drink, and last year, science fiction. Last autumn, as in the UK at least, everything seemed to be pretty much back to normal COVID-wise, I selected travel for the theme of the 2022 report, expecting that this year would be the one in which everything returned to standard and, accordingly, we would all jet off on multiple holidays, making up for the lack of travel opportunities we've had to endure since the start of 2020. Sadly, at the time of writing, it looks like I was a little premature as the world is currently being engulfed by the biggest wave of disease thus far, thanks to the highly infectious Omicron variant. However, I'm hopeful that by the time you read this, the wave will have largely broken, and that with most people triple-jabbed or recently infected, or as in my case, both, the virus will have no place left to go, and we will at last be moving from the pandemic to the endemic stage of this cruel disease so I'm still optimistic that this year will be the one where foreign vacations come back with a bang. Therefore, like a good eco-tourist, I'm sticking to the prescribed path. Our modern jet-set lifestyle and the incredible interconnectedness of the contemporary world are often cited as major reasons why SARS-CoV-2 could spread so rapidly worldwide and is why most countries closed their borders at some point as a result stymie many a planned fortnight in Marbella. While this is undoubtedly true, it's worth noting that this isn't such a modern phenomenon as you might think. Spanish flu managed to wreak havoc across the entire world perfectly successfully without supersonic planes crammed with holidaymakers making intercontinental trips in just a few hours. Its progress was most likely exacerbated by large-scale troop movements at the end of the First World War. And while these were on a minute scale compared to today's, or more accurately, pre-2020s level of international migration, it still managed to sweep across the globe in less than a year. 
Even in medieval times, there was sufficient global trade and travel to export disease such as bubonic plague around the world efficiently. Of course, with the benefit of hindsight, the responses in some countries to Covid were sluggish, even to the point of fiddling while Rome burned in some cases. But the reality is that any sufficiently infectious zoonosis, unless contained immediately at the point of origin, is going to go global at a mile a minute. And this really isn't anything new. Tourism and travel for the masses, though, is indeed a wonder of the modern age. Until the 1960s, international trips were really only the province of the wealthy. And indeed, as a child, my family never ventured beyond the shores of the UK. My parents' generation just didn't have that option, with my mum never having boarded a plane to this day, and my dad only having done so as part of his conscripted national service to Egypt. All that changed when cheaper airline travel arrived in the 70s, and going abroad for a summer holiday became de rigueur. My generation, I'm 57, thus have had a completely different experience of the world. According to one of those interactive maps that pops up on Facebook from time to time, I've visited 43 countries so far, with journeys to all corners of the globe and trips to every continent, not counting Antarctica. I feel truly fortunate to be living in an age where opportunities to experience so many far-off cultures and habitats first-hand exist for many of us. In fact, having that taken away temporarily was one of the hardest things to endure during the past two years of the pandemic. What was once a privilege now seems like a right. I've been lucky to undertake some of that international travel as part of my job, partly because pharma is the epitome of a global industry. This may be one of the reasons why the public has traditionally regarded it with distrust, faceless multinational corporations, etc. But it's also the reason why it could mobilise on such an extraordinary scale in response to Covid. One of the fascinating, previous under-the-radar aspects of pharma R&D, which the pandemic cast new light on, was the global supply chain. It became evident that it's not enough to just develop a vaccine. Having all of its constituent parts for manufacturing of the vaccine antigen and its delivery vector, which in themselves probably came from many different international sources, is just the start. You then need glass vials, cold storage, transport, needles, PPE and trained vaccinators. Plus, you need infrastructure, something often found wanting outside of the richer developed countries. Getting the vaccines to people all over the world has been putting together a jigsaw where the constituent pieces are scattered across the globe. And as has often been stated with respect to vaccination, no one is safe until everyone is safe. The rise of Omicron is testament to that. Travel also seems like a good theme, as the R&D process itself is very much like a journey. At the start of drug development, the destination must be decided on, and then the logistics of the trip must be determined. Having done your planning, the pre-clinical phase is like gathering everything together before embarking on your travels. Getting your candidate and checking its efficacy, toxicity and delivery is a bit like getting your passport, tickets and foreign currency together and packing your suitcase before you leave the house. Then you're ready for takeoff. After arriving at your destination, you're getting the lie of the land, working out how things work in this new territory, a bit like phase one trials. 
Having settled in, you're willing to become a little more adventurous, taking in the sights as you move into phase two. And by phase three of your holiday, you're growing in confidence and starting to try out a few phrases in the local lingo. Reaching the filing stage, you're beginning to feel like a native and contemplating retiring to this little piece of paradise. All that's left to complete the perfect vaccination is to successfully launch yourself back home. No mean feat in the era of pre-departure COVID tests. Just like a holiday, of course, there are lots of things which can go wrong at any stage of pharma R&D along the way. Many compounds never make it out of pre-clinical, akin to being refused boarding to your plane as you forgot to renew your passport. Arriving at your destination in human studies, things don't always pan out. The hotel often doesn't look like the pictures in the brochure. Even as your drug passes through the latter stages of its journey, something unexpected can go wrong. You can get lost after turning off the beaten track, or even have to cut your expedition short after one too many sangrias sees you spending a night in the local police cell. Modern travel, like drug development, is rarely devoid of stress and it's composed of many moving parts which all need to align like the stars guiding your ancient mariner if you're to successfully complete your voyage. As with travel, information is key if one is to effectively negotiate pharma R&D. For a vacation, you need the most up-to-date information, including timetables and maps, and you need to know how your resort has changed since your last visit. This is what this report intends to do using analogies from and references to the world of travel and tourism along the way. The Pharma R&D report will act like the guidebook you purchase before you plan your trip. The rough guide to Pharma R&D, if you like. We'll document how the land of drug development is changing, highlighting some of the local points of interest which no one can afford to miss, and also direct you to some of the more surprising and interesting secluded out-of-the-way places which you may not have discovered without using the local knowledge of our experts. So, hitch a ride with me and strap yourself in. I'll be your tour guide. It's time to journey into the centre of the R&D pipeline. A journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Lao Tzu.